Well, good morning, Oakwood. So glad that you're here today. Um, and yes, the sun came up. For those that are those that are OU fans and are uh, sad that that uh, that happened last night. You know, this entire 2020 has been absolutely a crazy year, hasn't it? And we got pandemics, and the Sooners getting beat, and you, you know, Cowboys undefeated. Um, what's the world coming to? Um, we are taking a break from this uh, the series. We're in dangerous prayers for one week only. It'll resume next week, and I'm gonna, just going to share with you today what's on my heart. Okay, something that I actually considered preaching at during the time of uh, the, you know, Eric's sabbatical, and I was going to do a three-week series on this, but I decided I'm going to do all three weeks into one sermon, so I will talk fast if you promise to listen fast, okay? And we'll, we'll get through this thing together. I've been asked two questions recently, frequently. Are we living in the end times? And how does this relate or how does this affect America? So I'm going to try to deal with both of those questions at once. And I was going to be up front with you. When you start talking about the end times, it makes a lot of people uncomfortable. And so we just soon not talk about it and it, it, we just want to ignore it. So I want to just address those in order. First, are we living in the end times? So it'd be real easy for me to tell you, yes, I believe so. Let's go back and see what Jesus said, okay? I think that's the, the greatest um, person we can learn from. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 24, verse 36, and then we're going to go back and get a couple of verses before that, Okay. If you have a red-letter Bible, this is red-letter. Jesus said, But about that day or hour no one knows, not the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So Jesus said, You're not going to know when I come back. Nobody knows. But then if we go back into verse 32 and 33, He, can say, he tells us, Though you can know the season and the time time period to be looking at verse 32 he said now learn this lesson from the fig tree as soon as it twigs get fender a tender and its leaves come out you know that summer is near even so when you see all these things you know that it is near right at the door so he said while we don't know the day or the hour we can know the season and be ready and looking and waiting for that not long after I got out of Bible college, um, I got a book that was given to me. It was called 88 Reasons Why the Lord Will Come Back in 1988. Guy had very compelling reasons why the rapture would happen that year, 1988. 1988 came and went, and the Lord didn't come back. So the guy wrote a sequel, 89 Reasons Why the Lord Will Come Back in 1989. And again, he made very compelling uh, arguments why the Lord would come back in 1989. That one didn't sell quite as good as the first one. But you know, for a long time, people have been trying to predict the day that the Lord would, would come back. How many of you remember the Y2K scare? That the world was going to crash, our cars wouldn't start, 
our computers wouldn't work anymore. The microwaves wouldn't work for crying out loud. You know, all the things that would happen. But guess what? The, it, the next day came and it never, we never missed a beat. There was a prophetic guy that uh, made a, a prediction that May 21st, and I remember that because it was Leah's birthday. We were in Kansas City, predicted, and he had predicted that for a couple of months that the Lord would, would rapture the church on May 21st, 2011. Well, guess what? It didn't happen. He crunched his numbers and came back with another date. That date also didn't happen. Okay? The Mayan calendar ended on December 21st, 2012, and they predicted an apocalyptic event, and it didn't happen. The world continued on. So people have been trying to predict the date of the Lord's return for many, many years, but they've been unable to do that. Jesus said, no one knows the day or the hour, not even me, when God's going to say, go get your church, go get your people. The Bible uses the, the term last days in a couple of ways. Number one is the period after the death and resurrection of Jesus when he back, went back to heaven. All the people that are living in what we call the Christian age time period are living in the last days. Then the other specific reference of the last days used in scripture are specifically the last years of human history now are we there i don't know i i think the lord says you can look for these seasons to happen look forward to the 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 signs that says the time is drawing near and i think one of the the most important things you can do is just look at the bible prophecies that have been fulfilled in just the last 50 years to tell you that okay things are becoming closer and closer look what's happening to this uh, to this earth this planet that we call home just this year we've had pandemics we've had floods in one part of the the world or country droughts in the other we've had hurricanes we've had record heats in, in some portions of the country in the world record cold in other portions you know it's crazy we've had earthquakes we've had wildfires on several continents even last, a couple weeks ago, they recorded the first ever fire tornado. Fire tornado, they called it. Well, you know, that's not the first time that happened in history because the, the Israelites fire, followed a fire tornado. Remember when the Lord led them out of Egypt and they followed that fire tornado, a pillar of fire. All these, I believe, are signs that this earth is wearing out. And friends, I want to tell you something. This earth was not meant to last forever, okay? This earth isn't meant to last forever. Last year, as we were flying on a 20-hour flight to Johannesburg, Africa, South Africa, we had just taken off, and we were in a big jumbo jet, a 777. That's one that has three rows there in the middle and the end. And I was sitting on the aisle, and the lady over by the window just as soon as we'd taken off, she had to get the waitress or the stewardess' attention. Like, did you get my request for a vegetarian meal? Oh yeah, yeah, we got we got you taken care of. So I'm I'm a conversationalist. I said, oh, are you a vegetarian by by choice or is that a health reason? Well, her traveling partner that was in front of said, oh, she's just learning. She's really not a vegetarian, but she's trying. 
And this lady said, well, we've got to do something, you know, because we're destroying the ozone. I'm like, oh, is that right? She goes, oh, yeah, you know, the, the, the cows are, are destroying the ozone. I'm like, mm-hmm. Am I going to have some fun here for a, you know, 20-hour flight? I said, well, you do know that there were more buffalo and bison roaming this earth than we, you know, at the turn of the century than we have domestic cattle right now. Oh, yeah, but we've got to do something, though, because we're polluting the earth. And I said, you know, we're, if we're riding in a 777 jumbo jet, you know, that's probably putting out a lot of pollution. Didn't make a lot of sense. And she goes, you know, and the earth is warming up and stuff. And I said, well, you know, I didn't know that the Lord gave us the, the control of the thermostat of the climate of the earth, you know. I thought he still had control of that. Oh, well, well we've got to do something because we're running out. Of, I said, well, you do know this place isn't going to last forever, right? She goes, what? I said, the Bible tells us that this earth is going to burn up and it's going to be destroyed. Oh, she, and about that time, Leah's poking me on, and you know, I'm just getting started. <laughs> she knew all the talking points, and so I'm just making conversation. I end up with bruised ribs. So <laughs> all the things that we're seeing that's happening to this place that we call home, earth, are signs that this earth is beginning to wear out. What about the world events? Well, I believe one of the most significant events that happened in, in modern time was, you know, was in 1948 when Israel was reestablished as a nation. The Bible prophesied that had to happen prior to the return of the Lord. It happened now. Something that flew under the radar just a few weeks ago, September 15th, a peace treaty with Israel was signed by United Arab Emirates and Bahrain signed this peace treaty with Israel. Well, okay, what's the big significant deal about that? Those are both Arab Muslim countries that have a severe hatred for Israel and the Jewish people. And they signed a peace treaty with them. Guess what the Bible says is going to happen in the early days of the time of tribulation, the Antichrist will sign a peace treaty with Israel. Now, can you imagine how that's going to absolutely inflame the Muslim countries of the world that they can't get along with each other because they all came from Ishmael and the Bible says that his hand would be against everyone, everyone's hand would be against him. They can't get along, but they all have a common hatred of Israel. Now, can you imagine how they're going to feel when the Antichrist says, you can't shoot any more rockets, you can't do any more terrorist attacks, you can't attack them? They're going to be so mad. Is this laying the groundwork for a worldwide peace treaty? I can't tell you that. I think that the groundwork for a common currency is, is underway. The establishment of the United Nations, while it appeared to be a, a great thing for the world, falls in line with Bible prophecy to allow what the Bible speaks of as a one-world government. Well, look at people's behavior. I think maybe this is one of the most glaring proofs that we are living in, in the last days. All you have to do is turn on the news, and you're going to see some of the most rebellious disobedient, um, mean-spirited, just angry people in, in the world. But Paul warned Timothy that this is what was going to happen. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 
And let's begin reading with verse 1. But mark this, there will be terrible days in the last days. Okay, now I'm, I'm going to tell you, stop right here for a second. We keep hoping this world is going to get better. Oh, th things will calm down, things will, you know, return to normal. The Bible, and if you believe the Bible, tells us that it's not going to calm down. In fact, things are going to get worse. More and more and more chaos. Okay, mark this in... In the last days, there will be terrible times. People will be lovers of themselves. Yeah. Hedonistic, narcissist. Lovers of money. Oh, we love our money. Boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents. Hey, let me tell you something. Parents sometimes just don't know what to do with their kids. So they just say, I don't know what to do with them. So they just kind of hands-off approach and let them kind of raise themselves. And you wonder how that's going. Turn on the news. And you see the protests and the riots. Those are the result of parents who didn't follow God's plan for parenting. Ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good. Sound like uh, reading some Facebook posts, doesn't it? Treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Listen to this. Having a form of godliness but denying its power have nothing to do with these people. You see, they, they appear to be a little godly, to be a little religious, but they deny the power of the Lord. I think spiritually, if you look at the condition of our country, we are in a spiritual crisis. And I don't believe it's just our country. I think this world is in a spiritual crisis. There are more and more and more attacks on Christianity all the time. The rights that we have as citizens of heaven are being attacked and taken away from us. There are many things that have happened that we said, well, that could never happen in our lifetime. Could you ever have imagined in your lifetime that churches would be closed while a casino and a liquor store could be open, and we call it for safety reasons, and the government says, no, you can't worship. This house of worship is closed. And all this has happened, and unfortunately, Christians, we just kind of sat on our hands and just allowed it to, to go on. I think sometimes... Um, we need a wake-up call. We're uh, facing something that the world calls humanism, and humanism is a view that I can pretty much do anything, almost to the point where I can become a god. But I think sometimes God has a lot of fun with that and said, oh, you think you're in control? Let me send an earthquake or tornado or wildfire or tsunami or a volcano and show you that you're not in control. We're facing atheism. That's the belief that there is no God. There was just an explosion, and we all just came to happen. Deism. That's a belief in a supreme being, and he made us, created us, but then he just took a hands-off approach and just going to let us do whatever we want. He's not involved with the workings of mankind at all. And then something that uh, is maybe kind of new if you've ever heard of this term, a non-theist, 
there's somebody that will acknowledge that there is a higher power, some kind of a supreme being, but I really have no interest, no desire. I don't need them in my life. That's the war on Christianity that we're facing today. And Jesus warns us what is going to happen. And let me tell you, before I read this passage of Scripture, it is one of the most disturbing passages of Scripture in the Bible to me personally. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 24, just the, the same chapter we were in. And I'm going to pick up in verse 9. Then you will be handed over and be persecuted and be put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. Now, most Americans aren't facing death right now, but your brothers and sisters worldwide are because of their love of Jesus Christ. So it's happening. Then he said in verse 10, at that time, this is what's scary. Many will turn away from the faith and betray and hate each other. And false prophets will appear and deceive many people because of the increase of wickedness. The love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Do you understand that? Where it says, many will turn away from their faith and abandon their faith. That, he's talking about people that have faith in God. So look around you. The Bible says many. Now, I don't know how many many is, but in our churches, just in America, there are people every Sunday that, that gather, and the Bible says many of them are going to abandon their faith. And the love of most are going to grow cold. Most. That's frightening to me. Frightening to me, and that's why this is heavy on my heart, because we need to be prepared. Are we living in the last days? Well, it'd be real easy for me to say yes, but only the Lord knows that. But it appears from all the, the things that are happening to this earth, the worldwide chaos and stuff, I believe that we are. The rapture could be today. It could be years from now. And here's the, the trap that we sometimes fall into. We get to looking at the worldwide events and things that are going on, and we start trying to come up with this timeline, what's going to happen. But we have to remember, God's timeline is way different than ours. A thousand years is like a day to God. Now, do I believe we're getting closer to that? Absolutely. And I think it's our responsibility to, to be prepared. And we don't talk about this enough that we need to be prepared. You know, if your house is on fire, it's not the time to worry about fire insurance, is it? It's too late at that point. Our responsibility is, is to be prepared. And I'm going to talk about that in just a few minutes, a little bit more about being prepared personally. So let's talk for a moment and shift gears on America. What does this mean, like this crazy year 2020, mean for America? And how does America fit into the end times? You know, for as long as I can remember, what we've been preaching in the church is America needs to turn back to God. We need to get on our knees and we need to repent. We need to turn back to God. We need to turn back to God. Well, I believe that probably you're here today because you've already turned back to God. 
You've already decided, I'm going to live my life for the Lord. But I'm talking about as a nation, I think we've turned our back. And we failed to do so. And we're not turning to God. I had the opportunity to talk to Cecil Todd uh, two years ago. And he goes around the, the country doing an America Crusades. And he's a predominant, uh, just a well-known evangelist. And I said, Cecil, you've been preaching for a long time about America needs to repent and turn back to God. Are you seeing any signs that America is doing that? And he said, honestly, Alan, very little. Very, very little. So what does that mean for us, the future of America? Ha is it too late for us? Have we reached the point of no return? You know, I think anyone with any kind of a spiritual thermometer can easily see the rapid deterioration of America in this country, and we can't continue down this same path forever. It's just a matter of time. But not just the spiritual condition of, of our country, it's the spiritual condition of the world. Politicians on both sides of, of Congress, I believe, have paved the way for socialism to, to happen, not just in America, but probably worldwide. Politically, it's known as the New World Order. Now, you're not going to find that terminology in the Bible, the New World Order, but the Bible does speak about a one-world government that will happen during the time of the Antichrist. I believe that the framework and the groundwork is already being laid for that one-world government. And I think all the leaders that are worldwide that are all doing their own selfish thing and are acting their own way, they don't realize that they are all working for God's master plan, that it all has to happen. I think there's that framework for a global economy, universal money and religious system. So is it too late for this country that we call home? Our last president declared that we are no longer a Christian nation. And everybody was incensed that he said that, but he spoke the truth. He said we are a nation of Muslims, Buddhists, Hindus, atheists, and Christians. We got thrown in there as well. But this nation was founded on Christianity, and we are no longer a Christian nation. He just acknowledged it. There's a new movement to, to have, have kind of a religion called Chrislam. It's a combination of Christianity and Islam. Let me tell you, that doesn't mix. You ever tried to mix oil and water? It doesn't work, friends. Bible verses are being removed because Muslims have found them offensive. Scripture references off of public buildings and stuff are being removed. Crosses are taken down. Nativity scenes out of city buildings and stuff are taken down because people find them offensive. Prayer was long ago removed from school, and now the effort is to remove the phrase one nation from God under, from our Pledge of Allegiance. You know, I could go on and on, but I think you get the point. America has been headed in the wrong direction for years. And I think we are seeing a planned destruction of this country. This country that we call our home. You watch these protests on, on the news and things. You know, for you to, to, to believe that they're just 
spontaneous, they, they just happened, a bunch of people got angry. No, these are planned protests, people that absolutely hate our country. America's headed in the wrong direction spiritually. Hosea chapter 8, verse 7 says, For they have sown the wind, and they shall reap the whirlwind. Quite frankly, this is not the same country that I grew up in. There have been a lot of things that have happened here in this country that we said would never happen. I've always been a proud American. I've been proud when our Olympic athletes have won a medal and stood on a stand and heard the national anthem. That, that's made me proud. I've been proud of everything that we've accomplished, but I can tell you that this country is not the same country that I grew up in and probably many of you grew up in. And sadly, I'm not sure it ever will be again. Have we passed the point that as a nation we will not repent? I don't know. But I can tell you this, God's not honored by the direction spiritually of our country. So what's going to happen to us? You know, pretty much every end-time expert, they, they won't agree on maybe whether the rapture happens before the tribulation or at the midway point or at the end or whether there is a rapture at all, but they do agree that the United States is not a factor in the end time. So what's going to happen to this great country, to this world that we call home? to this country that we've been so proud of. Are we going to collapse? Are we going to disappear? Are we going to be destroyed? What's going to happen to us? Open up uh, your Bible to Hosea, chapter 8. And this specific prophecy was made for the nation of Israel. But I think where it says nation of Israel, that Israel is mentioned, you could insert America right in there, and it would apply to us as well. Put the trumpet to your lips. An eagle is over the house of the Lord because the people have broken my covenant. Have we broken the Lord's covenant? And then it says, and rebelled against my law. Israel cries out to me, our God, we acknowledge you, but Israel has rejected what is good. An enemy will pursue you. They set up kings without my consent. They chose princesses without my approval. With their silver and gold they have made idols for themselves to their own destruction. Samaria, throw out your calf idol. My anger burns against them. How long will they be incapable of purity? They are from Israel. This calf, a metal worker, has made it. It is not God. It will be broken into pieces, that calf of Samaria. They sow the wind. They reap the whirlwind. The stock has no head. It will produce no flower. Were it to yield grain, foreigners would swallow it up. Israel is swallowed up. Now she is among the nations like something no one wants. For they have gone up to Assyria like a wild donkey wandering alone. Ephraim has sold herself to lovers. Although they have sold themselves among the nations, I will now gather them together and they will begin to waste away under the oppression of the mighty king. I think that that easily could be a, a, a prophecy for America because America is unrepentant. I think we've seen this organized effort to, to kick God out of our country, to kick God out of our school, out of our homes even. 
My personal belief is that I believe America could be in 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 for a period of great distress. And I'm not talking about the distress that is spoken of in the time of of tribulation in in that's described in the book of Revelation. But I think that actions always have consequences. And I think there's some natural actions or natural consequences to our actions of turning our back to God. And I think that we're going to see the result of those things. God's not pleased. The things that we have said would never happen in this country, we begin to see it happen. It's like closing churches, aborting babies, even to the point if this baby is born after a botched abortion, that they can go ahead and terminate that life because it was justified. Legalized drug use. Legalization in, in all 50 states of same-sex marriage. Things that we said would never and could never happen have happened. So how do we respond? Is there something we need to do to get ready? I want to tell you, we can't stop or change God's plan. We can't change His end-time plans. That's not going to happen. But I do believe we need to get ready. Turn with me to the book of Joel, chapter 3. Verse 9, it says, Proclaim this among the nations. Prepare for war. Rouse the warriors. Let all the fighting men draw near and attack. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weakling say, I am strong. Then skip down to verse 14. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decisions, for the day of the Lord is near. In the valley of decisions. The sun and the moon will be darkened. The stars will no longer shine. The Lord will roar from Zion and thunder from Jerusalem and the earth and the heavens will tremble. But the Lord will be a refuge for his people, a stronghold for the people of Israel. I think with the uh, curation of our country, we are seeing the kingdom of God being ushered in. And I don't think we need to panic, but we need to prepare. So how do we prepare? Number one, I believe we need to prepare spiritually. If you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, don't delay. Quit putting it off. Do it. If you've been planning on talking to someone about their personal salvation, don't delay. Stop putting it off and go do it. If you're a believer and maybe you haven't been living for the Lord, and yeah, I know I'm living in a, a sinful lifestyle and I'm doing some things the Lord doesn't approve, stop. Repent to the Lord and start living a holy life. The Lord is coming back for His church, which He wants it to be spotless and pure, blameless and holy. So start living like it if you're not. I think there's a lot of people wearing the name of Christi Christianity and are living in anything but a Christian lifestyle. We need to prepare eternally. We need to focus on our citizenship. Okay, now we, I think for the most part, are all residents of Oklahoma, and we're citizens of the United States, but we are temporary citizens here. Our citizenship is way bigger than the United States citizenship. We are, we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. 
Because we're only here for a little while. So let's keep our eyes focused on that and remember that we're not here for long. We're only temporary visitors. We're just passing through. And stop putting our, our hope and our trust in politicians or political parties because our citizenship is in the kingdom of heaven. And in the scope of eternity, our time spent on this earth is not even a blip, not even a, won't even register. We're just passing through. It's kind of a practice session. We need to prepare physically and emotionally. If we know something in, the, in advance is going to happen, we make preparations. We make plans. Like I said, if your house is on fire, that isn't the time to call your insurance agent and say, I need some house insurance now. I did that, actually, a, a few years back. My house wasn't on fire, but we were under, the state was under tremendous uh, tornado warnings and things. And so I, I will sometimes pull a little practical joke or prank on people. And so I call Leah's office, and I, I um, disguised my voice, and I said, I need to talk to Mandy. So Mandy got on the phone, okay, how can I help you today? I need some house insurance and quick. Well, okay, let's start. I said, well, I, you need to hurry this up real quick because, you know, we've got a tornado nearby. I'm like, well, this takes a while. We, no, no, I need, I need house insurance now. Oh, please hurry. I can see the tornado. It's just a few blocks away. And she's screaming at me, you need to get safe. You need to go somewhere that's, that, that's safe. And I said, no, get my house insured. <laughs> Friends, when a tornado is two blocks away from your house, is not the time to be on the phone to your insurance agent trying to buy some house insurance. Proverbs 22, verse 3 says, A prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton, that means the you know, kind of simple of, of brain, goes blindly and suffers the consequences. Now, I think we could spend a lot of time talking about actual things we could do to prepare physically but that's probably more for a classroom setting than here. And finally, I think you need to prepare your family. If you haven't shared Christ and His plan of salvation with your family, you need to do so. You need to tell them, I am going to be in heaven, and it is so important for me to know that you're going to be there with me. You know, the greatest thing that happened when my mom and dad before they died is saying that they knew their kids and grandkids would be in heaven with them. If you don't have that assurance, you need to be pleading. You need to be talking to your family and say, I need you to be ready. Tell them we're only temporary residents. Don't get so attached to the things of this earth. You know, I can't tell you what's going to happen to America with any certainty, but I can tell you this, we are living in a very exciting time period that I think we're going to see some things happen right before our eyes. And don't be alarmed because Jesus told us in advance what was going to happen. So we need to get excited and prepared as we see the day approaching. Amen? I want to tell you too that there are no unfulfilled Bible prophecies that have to happen before the rapture of the church. None. We're not promised the rest of this day. In fact, we're not promised the rest of this service. We're not promised our next breath. We're literally living from this breath right now. 
And that's the only thing we've got a guarantee of. In 1915, there was a South Pole expedition led by Sir Ernest Shackleton. And his ship was in the South Pole and it got trapped in ice. And the ice began to close in on his ship and, and it began to crush it. So he scrambled and got his, got his men out. And they got in some little lifeboats and they made it to a little uninhabited island called Elephant Island. And they realized that they're not going to be able to survive the winter here with little resources. So he got one of those little lifeboats, just an open sea boat, and he got five volunteers to go with him. And he said, we're going to go get help. But he promised these men, he said, I'm going to come back for you. So when I come back, be ready. They traveled over 800 miles across the open ocean to, and they landed in a little island called South Georgia. Not Georgia that we know of, but it was out there in the middle of basically nowhere. They were gone for months, and he organized a rescue effort and a team, and they got a ship to go back, but they couldn't get to Elephant Island because the ice was blocking. And so they just waited. And miraculously, somehow, the ice kind of cracked and it parted for a, a, a short period of time. And when they, they had that happen, they, they were able to get to Elephant Island and rescue those men and, and get back out. And just as soon as they had got back out, the ice closed back together. And Shackleton told these men, he goes, we are so fortunate that you were ready and got on in a hurry. And they said, you know, as soon as we saw clearing in the ice, we packed our stuff up. You promised us you would return, and we said the boss could come back today. Friends, I want to tell you the boss is coming back. He promised us to come back, and he said, I'm going to come back for my church. And I want this church, which is us, to be pure, blameless, spotless, and holy. Our responsibility is to make sure that we're ready for that. Our responsibility is to make sure when we hear a trumpet, that's not the time to, to get ready because it's too late. We are to be pure, blameless, spotless, holy vessels of Jesus right now. And if you're not, if you don't know Jesus as a Savior, I want to introduce you to Jesus. If you're not living the life that you need to live, I want you to consider hey, a change in your way. I'll be up here, some of our staff, some of our elders, we want to introduce you to Jesus. We want to talk to you about living that pure, blameless, spotless, holy life in Jesus Christ because you're going to hear a trumpet one day and you're either going to be ready or you're not. One of the things that we get to do each and every Lord's Day we get to remember Christ. And we do this through the communion time. Jesus promised us that he would do this again with us in heaven. But until then, we get to do it with our brothers and sisters. And our responsibility is to make sure, one, we take it in a worthy manner. And two, that we are living that blameless, spotless, holy life for Jesus Christ. So we're going to take communion together.
together. Those that are watching online, I hope you've made preparations and are ready to take communion with us as, as a body of believers here. Take a few moments and reflect on that relationship that you have with Jesus. And then see, am I living for Jesus? Am I being the pure vessel that he wants me to be? Fathers, we take this time to celebrate what you did for us on the cross. Father, we anxiously await the time when we get to do this with you in heaven. Father, that will be such a, an exciting time, and we're, we're anxious about that. But until then, you've asked us to remember you. And so we honor you today. We honor your sacrifice by taking of this loaf and cup, which is your body and blood in Jesus' name. Amen.